welcome to the Mint Podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discuss practical ways to live it out. This season, we're doing real talk about how we can contend for breakthrough in the most difficult and painful parts of our story. I can't wait to see what God, the commander of heaven's armies, is going to do as we press into him. If you want more of what you hear on the show, there are additional free resources, merchandise, and donation opportunities available at amintageisler.com. We're a listener-funded podcast, and we appreciate your support so much. Let's go run the race. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here with me for the next few minutes as we dive into our current series, Joshua. And this is going to be episode number three in that series. Today, we are going to talk about one of the biggest weapons I believe you can use in a spiritual battle. This, my friends, is going to help you on the battlefield take back ground from the enemy. I'm so excited about it. Let's pray and dive in. God, I just thank you so much for who you are and how you love your people. I thank you for the assurance we have that victory is yours. I thank you that no weapon formed against you shall stand. And I thank you that you have all authority over everything on earth and under the earth and above the earth. Lord, today, as we dive into your word, will you give us eyes to see you, ears that can hear you, and hearts that are courageous enough to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have started this series, Joshua, and I'm so excited about this series and what God has shown me and taught me over the last few months. And we are talking about how can we emulate Joshua? What did he do so well that he got to be the one who led the Israelites into the breakthrough into the promised land where they took back ground and were able to live in the land flowing with milk and honey. And I don't know about you, but when I think about the battles in my life where I feel like I'm stuck or I'm losing or I'm not taking ground or the enemy is kind of beating me, I get excited about breakthrough. I get excited about the idea of taking back ground. And so what I like, and you know this about me, if you listen to the show, I like practical things. And this book is is just full of practical ways that we can fight and take back ground and we can be stronger warriors. And so if you have missed the first two episodes in this series of Joshua, I just want to encourage you to pause and go back and listen to those because we really do build on each episode as we go through the series. And so once you've done that, come back and join us. And what we are going to talk about today and where we're going to start is a really neat moment. And this is a moment where God speaks to Joshua and Joshua is the newly crowned leader of the Israelites, right? Moses has just passed the torch and and Joshua has, has taken the reins and he's about to bring the people into the promised land. And this is after 40 years of wandering in the desert. So the people are ready, right? Everybody's ready for breakthrough. And this is going to be the moment where all their struggle and all their toil in the wilderness is going to end and they're going to go into the land of milk and honey. Ha ha ha, right? The hallelujah moment. However... God, in this opening series where he speaks to Joshua, lets him know that this is going to be a battle and that victory isn't going to be easy and that taking possession of their promise is going to require the people to trust God in the most vulnerable of places. And God doesn't just let his people waltz into this goodness. It's going to have to be taken by strategic force. Victory belongs to the Lord, yes, But this isn't going to be just a sit and watch kind of event for the Israelites. They get the opportunity to partner with God 
and follow his commands in a walk it out daily kind of strategy. So here's what I mean by that. God's going to fight for them, but they're going to have to fight too. God is going to be all the power they need, but they're going to have to listen and obey. And God is going to destroy the stronghold of Jericho, but they're going to have to work to take ground too. In other words, victory is a joint venture. And that's true for us today. This is one of the neatest things about God is that all authority, all power is his. He can do it all. He doesn't actually need us, but he invites us into a partnership where we get to take him by the hand, access the power of his mighty name, and where we get to walk it out with him, that we can be dependent on him and see his glory and experience his power and love for us in a way that we wouldn't if we didn't get to participate. So here's this moment, and he gives Joshua a guidebook, and this is going to lay the foundation for how we are going to strategically position ourselves to fight the battles in front of us. So here, I'm going to start in Joshua chapter 1, and I'm going to start in verse 6 and read through verse 9. And here's what God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I'd give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it and only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Man, what an incredible calling from the Lord. Joshua must have felt so humbled and honored to hear these words from God as he faced the promised land. And I'm sure he remembered 40 years ago all he'd seen as a scout in the land. Remember, they went into the land 40 years prior. They saw the grapes that were the size of small animals, and they saw the land flowing with milk and honey, but they also saw giants, and it terrified everybody except for Joshua and Caleb. So I bet he remembered that, and I bet he felt the full weight of the expectations of the people who were ready for the promised land. So he's carrying all of this, and God tells him, be strong and courageous. And that's how the Lord instructed Joshua to be. He commanded him these feelings, be strong and courageous, three times. But he also gave Joshua the secret for how to be strong and courageous, and I think that's so great because if God's going to command us to be something, it's really nice for him to tell us how we do it, right? We don't just have to muster it up, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and decide, I'm going to be strong today. God says be strong and courageous, but then he also explains how you do it. Obedience. I don't know if you caught it, but the word obedience shows up many times in this paragraph. Obedience is the secret sauce so to speak, that leads us to victory on the spiritual battlefield. Obey. Look how many times God points to obedience. Verse 7, be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Verse 7, do not deviate to the right or the left. Verse 8, study the book of instruction continually. Verse 8, meditate on it day and night. Verse 8, be sure to obey everything written in it. And then here's the promise that comes after that. What happens when we obey? Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Obedience is our pathway to the blessing. Obedience is how we get to victory. There's just no way around this truth. So I'm going to pause here for a minute because I think this is an interesting thing. And as I've done this with Bible study groups, 
and I asked this question. There's kind of a murmur that goes through the room, but how do you feel about the word obey? Most people are like, yeah, okay, I got to obey. And it's kind of got a negative connotation. And so how do we as Christians learn to embrace this word obedience for all of the glory that's contained in it and say, yes, I want to obey the Lord because that is my pathway to victory. How can we kind of learn to love and appreciate that word? And you know what? We shouldn't be surprised because obedience is actually a theme that shows up all throughout Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, right? So Joseph shouldn't have been surprised at this word obedience, even though when I said to you, here's your spiritual battle tactic, obey, were you kind of like, huh? That's that's my weapon. Minta, that's how I'm going to win my spiritual battle? I'm, I'm going to obey? And we picture like a little kid forced to obey their parent or something like that. But see, Joseph shouldn't have been surprised because here's what had happened with the people. In Deuteronomy 4, here's what Moses said. Now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you might live and so that you can enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add or subtract from these commands I'm giving you. Just obey the commands of the Lord, your God, that I'm giving you. Obey them completely and you will display your wisdom and intelligence among the surrounding nations. Later in Deuteronomy 6, Moses says again, These are the commands, the decrees, and regulations the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land that you are about to enter. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I've given you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you get up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your forehead and reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And then in Deuteronomy 8, Moses says again, reminds the people, so obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord's bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out of the valleys and hills. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty you don't forget the Lord and disobey his commands regulations and decrees. And finally, Moses's last speech before he leaves the earth, he says this, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you'd choose life, that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Friends, obedience is the pathway to the promised land both then and now. Our loyalty and devotion to God can best be demonstrated by us following the path he lays out for us, not going our own way, not going to the right or to the left, but trusting him, his way, and his rules. 
So what does it look like to obey God? Because sometimes I think we just conjure up this image in our head of just rogue, following a set of rules and do this, don't do that. And that's what obedience looks like. But what is so rich about this story and about the life of Joshua is that we actually see four aspects of obedience, four themes kind of emerge here by watching Joshua fight all the battles to take over the promised land. And that's what we're going to study. And I'm going to just give you a little... Uh, taste of what those four are. We're going to dive into the first two today, but it's reverence, purity, thankfulness, and dependence. One more time, reverence, purity, thankfulness, and dependence. And combined, these four aspects give us a course for obedience that can help us win spiritual battles. And I don't know about you, but I desire to walk in the fullness of what God has for me. And I want victory here on earth and so that I can lay hold of the promise here on earth. And so I'm determined to learn and implement obedience. And and that's what we want to do. So I'm I'm going to just read you uh, today a couple verses about obedience and just to give you a full look at what also the New Testament says, right? Because sometimes I think it's easy to go, well, yeah, that's what the Lord has for the people in the Old Testament. But we're going to look at uh, what God also says in the New Testament in the area of obedience. And so I'm going to start in the book of John. Uh, You know that's my favorite book, but we are going to start in the book of John in chapter 14, and I'm going to read verse 15 and then verse 21, and this is Jesus talking, and this is what he says, if you love me, obey my commands. This is Jesus now talking to the people. If you love me, obey my commandments. And then in verse 21, he says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. See, obedience shows our love for the Father. And then again, in John 15, just a couple verses later, verses 9 through 12, he says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so you'll be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And this is my command, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so Jesus talks about, if you love me, you'll obey me. And what does that look like? Loving other people. I'm going to flip now to 1 Peter. And we are going to read uh, in the first chapter of 1 Peter, verses 14 through 16. Peter says this, so you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your own ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I'm holy. So here we're just saying, yes, when we are a child of God, we're going to show that by our obedience. And that obedience is going to be driven by love. I'm going to turn to 1 John chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. There's that word obey again. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. 
For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we can achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe Jesus is the Son of God. Man, our obedience in how we love others is so key to our victory. Second John verses one, five through six says this, I'm writing to remind you, dear friends, that we should love one another. This is not a new commandment, one we've had from the beginning. Love means doing what God has commanded us. And he has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. Are we getting a theme here? <laughs> I'm gonna flip back to Luke. In Luke chapter six, Verses 46 through 49. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching and follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on a solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruin. Man, our obedience is our foundation. This is how we have victory when the rains and the storm and the flood comes. Second Corinthians. There's so much goodness in scripture. I'm reading a ton of them and I'm not even reading all that we is written about obedience. It's such a rich topic in God's word. But 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 through 6 says this, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. Here we go. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. After you've become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. Our obedience is what helps us knock down the strongholds of the enemy. And finally, in James, last one that I'm going to have, have us read. James 1, verses 22 through 25 says this, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, obey, right? And you don't forget what you heard. God will bless you for doing it. Obedience is so key. Isn't that amazing? But what makes obedience hard? Well, there's a lot of things in our world that make obedience hard. But I think one of the themes that really stuck out to me as I read that is us obeying God is loving other people. That's a huge part of obedience is loving other people. And so what makes obedience hard? Loving people is hard. Loving people can be really hard. And um, here's why I say that. And I'm going to go back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. And here's what Jesus teaches us about loving people. And when he's talking about relationships, he says, you've heard it say you can't murder. I tell you, you can't be angry with somebody. If you're angry, go fix it before you come to me. And then he says, you've heard it say don't commit adultery. I'm telling you, don't even lust. Don't even let that be in your heart. And then you've heard it said, you know, that you can get a divorce. And I'm telling you, uh uh-uh, that was a concession for your hard hearts. Don't get a divorce. Your vows, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Like your word needs to stand. And then finally, don't take revenge. You let God handle it. And then he says, in closing, love your enemies. Love them. 
not tolerate them, not ignore them, not cancel them and block them on social media, love them. And that's what makes obedience difficult. It is so, oh man, intense. Is that the right word? It's so difficult to love in those hard moments. And so obedience is difficult because it is dying to flesh. It's dying what is to fair, what feels like we deserve or are owed. And so it is, it's hard to do that. So let's get practical. What are some ways that we can obey God better? Well, number one, as I was reading through all those things of obedience, did anything strike you in your spirit? So the first thing is you got to identify if you have disobedience in your life. Right? If obedience is the pathway to victory, it's really good for us to take an assessment and go, man, is there an area of my life where I'm being disobedient? Is there somebody I'm not forgiving? Is there somebody I'm not loving? Is there somebody that my word has not stood? Is there somebody that I, or some area where I've had lust and I've allowed it to sneak in, or I have a work spouse and that's gotten a little too much? Or, you know, what areas of your life have you let disobedience? come into play because you say, oh, it's okay. It's just a little something. Oh, it was just a little white lie. It's just, we just did a little bit of flirting or I, you know, I, it's fine. No big deal. But we, if we want the fullness of the blessing, we have to be ruthless in our elimination of disobedience. We have to make sure that we are meditating on the scriptures day and night so that we can do what it says. Because if we're not in the word, how do we know? Who's going to set the standards for what is right or wrong? Because you're not going to find it on your phone. You're not going to find it on your TV. And if you're only reading books written by other people, you're reading their interpretation of what you think God is telling you to do, not what God is actually telling you to do. We got to be in the word. So then the second practical thing that you can do is if there is an area that you've identified where you have disobedience in your life, repent. Repent. Pour out your heart to the Lord. Tell him you are sorry and ask for his forgiveness. I always go back to Psalm 51. This is David's lament when he's pouring out his heart after he was caught in sin with Bathsheba, right? So he's committed adultery. He's committed murder. He's lied to cover it up. And this is him going to the Lord. And he says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. That's the opposite of obedience. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. And then verse 7, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. And so David pours out his heart. We can do the same thing. If you have an area in your life that you realize you are disobedient or you are out of step of the word of God, Man, go to the Lord, get on your knees, and like David said, have mercy on me, O Lord, forgive me. But repent, and part of that repentance is also then turning from that. And so if you need to block something, if you need to get rid of something, that's our practical step number three. Be intentional. Be intentional. Pick a show to stop watching. Pick one person that you don't really like that you're going to show love to and do an act of kindness. Bring them some cookies. It is the Christmas season. Get rid of that app on your phone. Set a time limit for how much you're on social media. Stop watching 
trashy movies. Only listen to Christian music. I don't know what it is, but be intentional to get rid of what might be causing you to be disobedient, right? And I've talked about this before that sometimes I've realized shows that I watch on TV are affecting how I obey because I start to get subtly uh, watered down version of truth into my head. And it's like, oh, I got to quit doing that. Oh, I got to quit doing that. Oh, it's allowing materialism to grow in my life. It's allowing selfishness to grow in my life. It's allowing lust to grow in my life. We got to just be so careful and intentional. So identify where your disobedience is. Repent. Be intentional to safeguard that. Or you can be intentional to put good things in. Maybe you read that and God, did you realize God commands Joshua to meditate on his word day and night? Now, I felt so convicted about this because I was like, oh, well, I meditate in the morning, but I don't meditate at night. I lay on the couch half asleep and watch HGTV or I am watching football with my boys or whatever. And I have felt so convicted. And this summer, we would then, before we went to bed, we started doing devotions again at night and reading another chapter and discussing it and praying. And it was short. It was only five minutes. But it was like, man, God said to meditate day and night. We're only meditating in the day, not at night. Huh. We should work on that because we felt like we're in the middle of a spiritual battle about my health. And so, and it was amazing what that did to be in God's word more than one time a day. I know. Careful, Minta, what you're suggesting. This is getting a little inconvenient. Now you're telling me I don't even have to read my Bible once a day. I have to read it twice a day. Guys, don't get mad at me. This is literally what the Word of God says. And so if you have issue with God, you can just pray to Him and talk to Him about that. But He said day or night. So uh, I think we have lost this as a culture because we are so easily distracted by all the different ways that we can be entertained. And when this book was written, you couldn't just flip on a TV. You couldn't watch a movie. You couldn't just flip on a radio. There was a lot less options. And reading was a, a way, it was a magical way to escape kind of, right? Reading, telling stories, it's such a good thing. And we have so many distractions in our culture. And so I just want to encourage you that even if you stick to your normal devotions in the morning and then at night, just read one chapter in the New Testament or read one chapter in the Old Testament and pray. Uh, that will do wonders for you. And then finally, one of the things I think it is good to do, uh, practical tip number four, is to just pray a surrender prayer. Lord, it is the desire of my heart to obey you. Please send me your spirit and help make me obedient to you. Point out in me anything that offends you, Lord, and lead me on the path of life. Give me the strength and courage I need to walk forward in obedience and to turn from the things that aren't good for me. Lord, open my eyes and show me what I need to do to become more obedient to you. But for us to focus our heart that way, but also to show the Lord that we desire obedience. Every morning, I make that surrender a part of my prayer. And every morning, I say, Lord, I surrender to you all that I have and all that I am. Send me your spirit to accomplish what you have for me today. Help me to obey you. And th just every day, I pray that to the Lord. And if his mercies are new every day, awesome. My declaration of obedience is going to be new every day too. That I'm going to show him that I'm giving him that day. So I this is kind of the big overarching theme of 
okay, how are we going to fight our battles? How are we going to become mighty warriors as we look at this, the theme of this year's podcast in obedience, obedience. And so what we are going to do is take the next several episodes and we are going to flush out all the different aspects of obedience. We're going to talk about reverence. We're going to talk about purity. We're going to talk about thankfulness. We're going to talk about dependence and how we can very practically strategically position ourselves like Joshua to walk in obedience and get victory on the spiritual battlefield. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord of heaven's armies, we come before you today thankful and humbled by who you are and your great love and mercy for us. Lord, it is the desire of our heart that we would be obedient to you. So will you send your spirit to be with us, Lord? Will you reveal to us where we are living in disobedience? Will you give us the wisdom and discernment to make the changes we need to make? Lord, we surrender to you all that we have and all that we are. And we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we give you all the glory and all the authority. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Mint Podcast. More resources are available at amintageisler.com. Let's do this faith journey together.